Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there and welcome back to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan. I am Jason Padolan, your host, as usual. And today we are into episode number 38. And we are going local. Local for me in the fact that this guy lives in my hometown. He grew up uh, in my hometown and that hometown is Vernon, British Columbia. And his name is Jared Smithson. Uh, Longtime Nashville Predator, Florida Panther, Edmonton Oiler, Toronto Maple Leaf, Los Angeles King, 606 games in the NHL. And what I love about Jared's story, not only how can you not respect 600 games in the NHL, 10 seasons, you have to be doing something right to be there. But his story is somewhat unlikely, if you will. We talk about him not being drafted in the Bantam draft. We talk about him not being drafted to the NHL draft twice. We talk about him never scoring more than 11 goals at the professional level in a season, never having more than 25 points. And he's played 600 games. He didn't become an NHL regular until 25 years old. How does this kind of stuff happen, right? And so we talk about how there is a different path for different people all the time. And one of the one of the things that resonates most with him is the passion to play the game, right? He always wanted to play and he always wanted to improve and he did. So he played and he improved and he played and he improved and he found a role and he did it well. And he also happened to be a damn good teammate and a damn good person, which helps a lot, which we've talked about here many, many times. So Jared is going to share with us today how he got over some of those obstacles, how he got through some of that adversity. What was the big difference maker for him? There's a couple that showed up for him at the pro level that made him better, that made him believe in himself, that he was going to be an NHLer and could be an NHLer. Uh, so this story is one that I really, really love. Jared's such a great guy. Uh, he opens up here today and, uh, and really shares what it's all about. And, uh, and I want you guys out there to realize, the parents listening, the coaches listening, the players listening, that you got to get through it, right? Whatever it is you're going through, you got to get through and come out on the other side, keep going hard, keep playing the game you love, and uh, and good things can happen. And coaches, you have the ability to make a difference, as you'll hear uh, in this story uh, coming up. So without further ado, I bring you, my friend, um my son's coach i'm grateful to say as well uh 606 game nhler 10 years in the show mr jared smithson all right welcome back to the up my hockey podcast episode 38 and uh smitty mr jared smithson here on the other side of the screen thank you so much for being here today thanks for having me podsy it's a pleasure 
No worries, man. This was a, a little while in the making. I know I, I dropped it a few times saying that I've been doing this. I'd love to get you on. And, um, you know, today I, I asked uh, kind of on a short notice and, and you were gracious enough to say yes. So for all those listeners uh, listening right now, uh, Jared does call Vernon home, as do I. Uh, he grew up here. And his son, Hunter, is uh, is a novice age player. And Jared's uh, got the whistle in his mouth for practices now. And and my TJ, Thompson, my youngest, is fortunate enough to be out there with him. So uh, Jared and I have uh, have reason to cross paths on uh, n- numerous times a week. So it's yeah. uh, it's fun to see the little guys out there. And I'm sure we'll get into that, too, in the interview. But um, one of the things, uh, Smitty, like which I mentioned a little bit before we even got live, is that one thing I love about what we're doing here at Up My Hockey is it's talking about stories that turn out to be maybe not that unique or maybe not as unique as people think in the sense of mm-hmm. like someone like you who's gone through junior hockey, went through pro, ended up becoming an NHL regular at 25. Kind of sounds crazy, but it does happen and it can happen. And everyone has a different way of going about that journey. And, and I have always been compelled by your journey and I'd love to dig into that today. Yeah, so, absolutely. Let's so um, let's start with Calgary. Like, I mean, or maybe even let's get back to minor hockey. I mean, as, as a young guy growing up, you know, a lot of the listeners here are minor hockey age, big aspirations, big dreams. Were you one of those kids that you you had NHL on your radar from a young age? Uh, well, I thought so anyways, right? Um, yeah, it, it was just one of those things like like anyone else, right? I, I went to the rink and uh, I was I was an okay player in minor hockey and uh and that was my goal. I, I always wanted to play, right? Had no idea if I could do it. Um, and that uh, 15 years old uh, was listed uh, with the Calgary Hitmen. Um, I was never never drafted in, into the Western Hockey League. So uh, even when that happened, that was a bit of a bummer, right? But um, the, the following year w- was listed and... Uh, and, and yeah, and that's kind of where my uh, my junior uh, my junior career started was with the uh, with the Calgary Hitmen. Well, super cool, and that's why I like doing a little bit of research, but not a ton of research. So I think that's a great spot to start because there's a lot of kids. Uh, one of my, actually my personal clients this year that didn't get drafted in the Bantam draft mm-hmm. thought he was going to, didn't uh, had to deal with that uncertainty. Uh, you know. What, what, embarrassment was a word that he used you know he felt yeah. embarrassed like there were some other things that came up and these are real human emotions uh that affect you as a player moving forward too right like do i belong do i fit in absolutely you know like so what how did that feel for you at that age uh looking back now uh it, it hurt right it stung a little bit right because uh, i was a competitive guy and and i i love to compete and I, and i did my very best out there um I thought I probably should have been right, but um, for whatever reason, uh, it, it didn't work out that way. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. There was some embarrassment. There was like, hmm, like, what do I do now, right? But um, I was only 15 at that age, right? So I really didn't know too much about it, right? So I went into my uh, it would have been second year bantam when usually those second play second year players are a little bit stronger, right? And and I had a good start and and was uh, very fortunate enough to to get um, listed by the by the Calgary Hitmen. So that is kind of what got my foot in the door, right? I still had a full year of minor hockey, but um, kind of once I got listed, it, it was um, it was a little bit of a relief, like, uh, okay, maybe I do belong or I do stand a chance, right? But 
really at the end of the day that uh, that especially that bantam draft really uh, it really means nothing it is a feather in the cap if you do get selected high or whatever it is but it's the work that you still have to put forward right so yeah no yeah i mean i couldn't agree more and i just love for everyone listening there i mean i haven't mentioned it yet and i probably will mention it would have mentioned it in the introduction but you know, not bat dra- bat drafted at the Bantam level uh, equaled 606 games in the NHL for you. And uh, yeah. and once again, you I mean you're not you're not an anomaly, right? That that happens more often than we yeah. think. So, you know, the Bantam draft and even the NHL draft, you know, and we'll get into that because you know we're not quite there yet. But it's just a day, right? It's a big exactly. day, right? And exactly. it's a culmination of a lot of work and a lot of effort. And there's more eyes on it now than effort. And these kids are aware of it, you know, so there's yeah. a lot, there is a lot of thing and parents get jacked up about it too. Right. Like right. my draft year, my draft year, my draft year, my kids draft year. And you know, it's one day. And then the next yeah. day, guess what? Now either you're a first rounder or a third rounder, or you're not drafted and you got to go to work, exactly. you know, either you got to prove somebody wrong or you got to prove somebody right. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's just the thing. It is just a day. Let's celebrate the success if you do. And if not, try and park it as quick as you can yeah. and go back to work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Work. And that's the hard part though, right? Because you do put a lot of thought into it and, and people do mention it and talk about it. Oh, big week coming up. Like, uh, what do you think, right? And and when it doesn't happen, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a blow to the ego and it stings a little bit. But um, you said it, it's a day and... At the end of the day, there's still lots of hockey to be played and, and still lots of work to do. So. Yeah. You mentioned being a, I can't remember the word you used exactly, a pretty okay player, I think you said, or a pretty good <laughs> yeah. minor hockey league player. Well, like, uh, what, what did that equate to, though, for you? Like, you know, and being as honest as you can now. I mean, and yeah. don't be humble if you don't have to be. Like, were you, were you the top guy in the team at that point in minor hockey? Were you scoring a lot of goals? Or were you, you know, were you a guy that was banging and hitting and kind of filling a, a different role then? Uh, well, as you know, like minor hockey's, completely different than the juniors and even the professionals. So, I mean, I, I could score, right. As a lot of, of top guys do, I had no idea how to play the game, right. I thought if I scored, a, you know, two or three goals or had a few, a few apples that, uh, you know, I had a good game and, and my dad coached me growing up and I'm sure I drove him absolutely bonkers because <laughs> I wasn't, the, I really wasn't the hardest working guy. Right. I was, I, I was always a little bit bigger, right i had okay hands and and could put put the puck in the net a little bit but wasn't a great skater and my work ethic wasn't quite there so uh, i think i'm pretty honest when i said i was an okay minor hockey guy like i yeah. I, I was decent but it, it wasn't like uh i was absolutely dominating by any means uh, i still had a lot to learn about the game and how to play the game so um but yeah uh very fortunate as you you know, like growing up here in Vernon, it's a, it's an awesome hockey city, right? Vernon minor hockey. We've produced a lot of uh, very good hockey players and a lot of guys that have played in the NHL. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. My minor hockey days, that's for sure. Right. When you, your arrival into Calgary. So I have, I have the 95, 96 season, you know, hockey DB showing, showing a 60 game. Was that as a 16 a year old then that you play as a 16 year old? I did. Yeah. I, uh, originally, um, I went to camp and had a good camp and, and we were an expansion team that year and, uh, it wasn't a very good team. Right. And, and they decided to to send me back to, uh, to Vernon and they actually wanted me to uh, play for the, for the, I think it was the Vipers at that time. And, um, we had a, a pretty good coach in, in uh, Vernon who was coaching the midget team, Keith chase. And, um, my dad would have rather me play for him. So we went back to midget, um, 
and I, I was there, I was there for maybe two or three weeks. Right. And then Calgary made a call back and said, Hey, we'd, we'd like to get him back up here and, and keep him up here for the year and, and kind of give him a shot. Right. So that's kind of how it started. It wasn't right out of a camp. Um, again, I got, uh, I got cut basically out of, out of training camp and sent back to, uh, to minor hockey. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit of a, a, a late start there that first year The the team was up and running and, and hadn't won a lot of games. I think he, my record or our record, I should say that year was absolutely horrendous. So maybe won 17, 18 games all year. Right. So it was a very young green team. We were, there was a lot of rookies. So a, a lot of guys that were going through the same thing I was going, right. We, we got there and it was our first time away from home and a little bit homesick at times. Right. And, and definitely nervous living with a new Billa family and, and trying to understand junior hockey, right. As a, as a 16 year old that, uh, I mean, God, at that time I was six, one, 147 pounds. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty skinny body to be out there. There's some, there's some huge men that were playing back in those days. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was challenging this, that first year to say the least, but. It, and that is an interesting piece because, I mean, I've talked about passion on, on this show before, um, you know, desire, people have different names for it, but you know, for you at 16 years old, uh, and I don't say you, I mean, I did it too. Right. But I think for us at 16 years old, we, we, you go into this environment that is foreign. It's junior hockey mm-hmm. in your scenario, maybe even more so because, you know, four goals, two assists, you're not playing a ton, your team stinks. No. Right. And it's like, Holy smokes. Like what, in your opinion at, at that point, like keeps you going, keeps you wanting to be there instead of saying, Hey dad, <laughs> You're, I'm coming home, right? Let's, right? let's do this midget thing. Like, what do you think kept you there? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always, even to the very last day that, that I played in Denmark, uh, my last year, I always loved going to the rink. I, I loved hockey. It was, to me, it was just a blast. It was never a job. Um, uh, I just loved every bit of it. And even though we were getting our butts handed to us, like, nightly, right? And, and it was tough coming to the rink and practicing. And I still loved it, right? And I still wanted to prove that that I belonged there right I, I got there and I didn't want to be one of the guys that okay I played a year or two there and then they sent me off right oh he, he couldn't quite cut it right so for me it was a, a little bit of a, a pride thing too like I wanted to show that I belonged and and really at the end of the day like once I got there and realized uh, the players that wrote there I, I, I wanted to be drafted right I wanted to try to make it to that next level so right. um, yeah it was it was challenging it was actually the first two years because I think we're even worse the second year, which was, uh, it was real tough. I, I was really questioning whether um, uh, this was for me type deal. But, um, you know, I stuck with it and, and things worked out. So how did you get through that, that time? Were you wondering, like when you're having those, you know, sitting in your bedroom moments, you know, having the discussion with yourself, yeah. or maybe with yourself. You mean, I, I, I've talked about that here before too. Like as supportive and as amazing as my mom and dad were, I was an only child. Uh, I didn't really have anyone to have that conversation with, you know, like it was, right. it was a discussion with myself and now looking back on it, kind of one of the reasons of this podcast and what I do now is, is to apply to supply that outlet and that availability. Mm-hmm. Right? Did yeah. you, did you have someone to have that discussion with? Uh, I mean, it was, it was my parents, right. It, it was my dad. Um, at the time, I don't know if it just, if I didn't feel comfortable talking to, to teammates or, and there wasn't, um, those 
those guys that were around, right? Those older guys, those leaders, those guys to help you kind of get through those hard times, those um, development guys, whatever they were. We didn't, we didn't have those then, right? You, you come home from the rink, there were no cell phones, there were no right iPads. It was call long distance home and, and have a chat with dad and, um, and kind of explain how things were going. Right. So it, it was really hard because especially that 17 year old year, I broke my wrist at a training camp. And so it was a rough start right off the bat. And then the team was rotten and, um, man, I just, I felt like I couldn't get any traction. I, I wasn't playing well and I wasn't playing much at all. And to the point where I actually went to the coach and said, Hey, maybe I, I need a change. Like, and I even mentioned that the coach at that time was Dean Clark. And I said, maybe if I, I go back and, and finish this year with junior a, um, where I can maybe get some confidence and, and get my game back. Right. And, and, and he stuck with me. He told me to, to kind of hang in there and, and to keep going and keep working. And, and he understood too, that, I mean, at that time we had my first year, we had six 16 year olds, which is crazy. You're not going to win too many games unless those guys are stars. Right. And, and we weren't then. Um, so we were very young and that second year was just as bad. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was extremely difficult, but definitely leaned on, uh, leaned on my parents a lot. I had a, I had a great billet family in, in Calgary that, uh, were beyond helpful, right? They were basically mom and dad from 16 to 20 and, um, and they helped with those times too. And a lot of it was, not hockey. I just needed to, needed to talk, right. I needed to take my mind off things. And, and, and I think at that time it, it was harder because there, they, there weren't those outlets. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- so thankful and grateful to, to my billet family. I've talked about them on here before, and it's a key piece for anyone leaving home. Holy crow, like, yeah. Where, where are you sleeping at night and what kind of foods in the fridge? And, uh, you know, all that stuff is so relevant. So I'm glad you mentioned them and a big shout out to all the billet families out there that do, they do an amazing part in supporting hockey. Like they really yeah. are, uh, the unsung heroes of, of this whole, of this whole machine. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you're walking into that office now as a 17 yeah. year old, which I guess is your draft year too, correct? Like your NHL draft year or are you late? Yeah. Birthday? Okay. Yeah, so it's no, your NHL that... draft year, which you yeah. said you had aspirations of doing that. You know, that's why you right. were there. That's where you wanted to go. Yeah. You're on a rotten team, and now you're walking into that coach's office. Uh, I can remember some of my first, you know, one-on-one meetings back, and we're talking old-school times too. I don't know, I don't know anything about that coach if he was an old-school coach, but it usually wasn't a very approachable thing to do. Um, how was that for you? And uh, and tell us how that went. Oh God, I was shaking walking in there. <laughs> it was. Uh... Yeah, I, I just, I, again, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. I didn't know if I should just tell myself to suck it up and, and, and battle through or for, but I knew I wanted to play, right? And I didn't want to play 10 minutes a night, right? At, at, that, le- at that age, right? And at that level, I, I felt I could do more, right? Um, so it, it was very hard. Um, and that coach at that time, Dean Clark, he was, a, he was an old school coach. He was he was hard. He was, um, he was fair though. Right. But there was no, there was no horsing around. He was all business. And, and so I was very, uh, very nervous going into that, but he actually, um, actually was really good about it. And, and we had a good chat about things and, and he explained about the things that I needed to improve on the things that the team needed to improve on and, and where he sees kind of the team going in the future. And, and once I kind of sat down and, and had that chat, it, 
I honestly, I felt so much better. I felt like the world was just lifted. Right. And I, I was, I came to the rink the next day and was a little more comfortable and, and just realized that maybe I am a part of this and, and uh, I, I do need to kind of maybe take a look in the mirror and maybe it's, I have to do a little bit more to, to get better and to improve. So, but yeah, going in and talking to a coach at, at any level, it, it's always a little nerve wracking. Right. But um, mm-hmm. at that age and, and that, at that time, it was, uh, it was difficult. Yeah. And what I find interesting too, and, and, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, you, you talked about that year as being a real, formative year as far as like from an adversity standpoint right like you, you had the contemplation of is this the right spot for me should I be somewhere else yeah. uh, my draft year was was similar in the sense that I it was like I was tested that year on like what I wanted to be who how I wanted to show up to a coach that I've perceived wasn't really treating me that well whether I wanted to be a guy that would ask for a trade like you said do I suck it up like there was so much right. going on that maybe didn't help me as a hockey player but ended up helping me find who I was and what I was all about you know yeah. and I think that helped me going down the road C- can you can you use that experience or did you use that experience in a similar way constantly right like Anytime. And as you know, right in the hockey, every season, it doesn't matter if you're having a great season, there are ups and downs, right. And there are hard times and things you have to deal with away from the rink that a lot of people don't quite realize. So I, I would always draw back on that and think, man, it, it really couldn't get much worse than that. For me, it was, it was hard. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I would continue to look back and, and try to learn from that. And, and in a way it kind of gave me more confidence too right knowing that okay i can do this i've been through this before i've been down this road i I know what i have to do and um it definitely i'm glad i went through it at that time because i i really believe it it helped my career out immensely and i and i want that i mean it was it was maybe meant to be a subtle uh piece of advice but i'm gonna bring it right out in the open because like parents have a hard time i think now and sometimes players too like when things get hard and things get tough Mm -hmm. and things get tricky and we're just out of training camp season now and some guys got cut out there and some guys are looking for teams world feels like it's against you everybody has a story like that and those moments are the ones that really tell you who you are and what you're about, you know, like they right. become moments, the turning points. Right. And so whoever's out there in one of those moments right now, just get to the other side, like right. just get to the other side and you're going to be stronger and you're going to be better. You're going to look back on it like you did. Right. And been like, mm-hmm. man, I can do this. Right. Yes. I can do it. So like you said, like, and we've seen it too, like guys that had their first bout of adversity, like first year pro, or you know first time going to the nhl or whatever and they just haven't experienced before and they don't know how to deal with it and then they disappear sometimes right exactly you don't want it to you don't want to come at 22 23 i tell you that right now but um no absolutely it is what it is i think we got to start framing that as as a as an opportunity anytime you're feeling (laughs) down an opportunity right to get better uh one of the things i work on with with my with my clients and it's funny because when you do look for that opportunity you can find it you mean you can find it there's something there for sure for sure yeah um Okay, so, you know, so your second season was just as rotten as the first. You said, you know, essentially yeah. your words, draft draft day comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Were you expecting to maybe get a call that year or was it just like, it was just no, you? you know, so I, I didn't know. I, I really yeah. did not know, right? So I knew who was 
you know, who was out there and my comparisons and, and whatnot. And I didn't have an agent at that time either. Right. So I was just, I was just sitting around, right. And, and hoping for a phone call and, and when it didn't happen, right. It, you know, it, it sucked. Right. And then, um, you know, back then it was the, the hockey news, right. The hockey news came out, the old newspaper. Right. And then you got to see round by round or the newspaper, whatever it was, who got drafted. And, and back then, like, I just thought that, man, I'm better than that guy. Or I just, you know, like I, that should have been me. Right. That should have been right. And, and I never really felt sorry for myself, but I, I guess I was a little bit, I don't know, jealous in the way. Right. Like I, I wanted to be that guy that got that phone call and say, congratulations, you were selected by so-and-so or whatever, however it went. Right. So, yeah. um, it uh, it stung again. It it was brutal. Um, it was uh, a, a tough pill to swallow. Um, and then even going back to camp as an as an eighteen year old and and all those guys that that did get drafted and now you're you're they're going to NHL camps and you're still at the 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 major junior camp and you know I just felt like man I I want that so bad right and and it didn't happen and and it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. I, I wasn't physically ready. Um, like I said, at 16, I was 147 pounds at, at 17. I was probably, Oh God, 160 maybe. Right. So I was a bag of bones and, and I really didn't feel, to be honest, didn't feel um, comfortable in my body until I was probably 18, 19 years old where I started to fill out a little bit. So looking back now, I, I understand why it wasn't selected. Right. It makes complete sense, but uh, it, it didn't make it any easier. Right. It, yeah. it, it was a, it was a tough day for sure. But. And another one of those moments, like you said, best thing that ever happened to you, like not, not really because in the right. moment you wanted it so badly. Right. And, and, but then it turned out to be something that probably motivated you and allowed you to, you know, to push yeah. and persevere and do the things you needed to do yeah. now. So in the, in your 18 year old year, were you eligible again for the draft that year? I was. Yeah. Yeah, I was eligible well, then, again and, and passed over and, and passed over then too. Right. And, and we had a really good team. Like we ended up going to the, uh, uh, the semifinals, um, in, in the WHL playoffs. And, and we, uh, we had a really good team and, and our, our younger core were, were starting to get better. Right. They were starting to, some of the guys were getting drafted and, and some of the guys were starting to develop. So we as a team, we were, we were heading in the right direction, right. That, uh, mm-hmm. what was passed over again. And, um, and that one, again, it, it hurt, it stung. And, um, but again, it, it was just something that I wanted and, and what I think really helped me, but was how good our teams were at 19 and 20. Like we had guys, we had, Oh, back then we had Brad Moran, Matt Kinch, uh, we had Pavel Brendel, we had uh, Chris Beach, we had lots of like high-end prospects that were that were were big picks that played World Juniors, and I got to skate with these guys on a daily basis. So I got to push myself and to see kind of what they were doing. Right, I, I honestly believe that if I didn't have guys like that around, that I, I probably wouldn't have been. Uh, signed as a free agent, you know, once I, once I hit 20, but uh, having those guys uh, be able to show me kind of what it takes. And when they come back from NHL camps, I, I drew on those guys a lot, even though we didn't talk about it too much. I was constantly kind of watching them and, and how they conducted themselves and how they worked and, and what they did to get to that level. So um, very fortunate uh, that our team actually, as a team, was heading in the right direction because it could have went the other way if we were right. if we had bad guys and the team was going south again right that literally probably would have been the end of me but uh 
fortunate enough to uh, that it kind of panned out there. Well, we are winning. Winning helps, and I want to. I want to touch on that too because that's super relevant. I think, and to to the players listening and to the parents listening, that uh, you know that that winning winning matters uh, in ways that you just talked about. And I want to unpack that a little bit more, but I want to get into that the belief aspect now, right? For you, which I, which I think is a common theme throughout. At least when I look at the chronology of your of your uh, mm-hmm. of your journey, right, of your path, because. There have been a lot of guys that were say, saying like, oh, well, it's not in the cards, you know, like three yeah. years now, right passed over twice, seeing what's going on around you. And and yet you you, you, you stay the ship, right? You're still you're still motivated to go. You still think mm-hmm. that there is an opportunity for more. Uh, does that does that come from that place of passion again that you were talking about earlier that you just love to play the yeah. game and like you're just going to show up and keep going to work? That was it. Yeah. Right. And, and again, my dad and, and my mom for that matter, but it was mostly my dad that, that I would kind of pick his brain and, and he just said, right, keep the pedal to the metal, like keep working, keep going. And, and if you got to go to school at the end of your five years, then, then so be it. That's, that's your path. Right. But there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't right keep heading on and keep heading in the right direction. Um, Love and that. I think another big thing that, that kind of helped me there too was, uh, again, I'll go back to my coach of Dean Clark is, is he gave me a role, right. And uh, for the first two years, I had no idea where I stood. I knew I was a fourth line. I didn't know, couldn't score. I couldn't check. Couldn't like, didn't know what I, what I was doing. And, and he realized that, okay, you're, you're a bigger body. You're going to have to play physical. We're going to work on your face off. So we'll get you a penalty killing. And, and once I kind of embraced that, um, that's kind of when really things took off, right? He, he made me feel important and part of the team. And, and yes, I wasn't a, a top six guy, but um, just a very important part, whether you're going to be a shutdown guy, you're going to go match up against this line. And, and so f- for me, that was my scoring goals, right? Was, was getting that recognition and going out and being able to check and play physical and, and being able to help the team in different ways. And, and that's one thing that I credit the coaching staff is, is they made me feel very comfortable. They gave me a role and, uh, and I kind of ran with it. So that, that, that again was a, another huge part. That is a great point because I, I thought that we might get there because, because a lot of guys have to go through that evolution and, mm-hmm. and that evolution being that hockey becomes something different and you need to like that something different because as a minor hockey league yeah. level, I, mean, I know my kids right now, the players love scoring goals and getting points. Yeah. Not one guy comes home and says, man, I love taking the puck off that guy in the corner. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, right. But it yep. evolved into that. Right. And, and, and I think some guys embrace that and some guys still have the passion to do that. And yeah. some guys don't, you know, I mean, when they get right. to that spot where it's like, you know what, I can't toe drag the defenseman and go top cheese all the time. Well, this isn't yeah. really the same sport anymore. You know, I'm not right. interested. Right. Yeah. So you found that you were interested and you did, and you did embrace that. Yeah. And, and I think I just realized that's what was going to keep me around. Right. Like that's what's going to keep me on this top team on, on Calgary, the Hitman as a 19 and 20 year old year. And, and if I was going to go forward, it's going to be this. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, as like I said, minor hockey, you could, I could put the puck in the net, right? But had no idea how to play the game, right? But yeah. as you know, once you get to junior and the pros, everyone can put the puck in the net in minor hockey. They're all good. Yeah. They're all fast. They're all strong. What are you going to do to help your team and, and to stay relevant and and produce, right? So, and that was, that was a big thing for me. Obviously, uh, 
wasn't uh, wasn't a goal scorer, so I had to find another way to uh, to kind of stick around. But that's super interesting because I think that that ability, and there is roles in the NHL now. I'm not going to say there's not, but it's not as role driven. I don't find at least no. you know. Right. I think that the you know the bottom the bottom three are definitely not what they were when back when we played. You know, and uh, and there's a lot more. There's less less dispar- disparity, I guess, across the the ranks, but. In saying that, like knowing your role and what the expectation is, I think is a huge thing for all the coaches listening. And, and sometimes it gets forgotten about because you just spoke it to yourself. Now you feel a part of things. Now you feel right. like you can own something and you can right. be a part of a bigger picture. Brad Larson spoke to that really well in his episode saying that, you know, on that Colorado team, he felt like he was one of the most important pieces on that team, even though he got like seven minutes a game because the guys right. loved big hits or they love the energy you brought and he just felt right. like a piece of that puzzle and he yeah. got great satisfaction out of doing that and I can speak to the other side of that spectrum being that guy that was scoring the goals in the minors and then was coming up in a third or fourth line capacity then but I wasn't sure if I was supposed to now try to score goals as a third line right. or if I was supposed to go out and hit guys and be a shutdown guy and I never ever yeah. had that conversation and I mean, that's ownership on me because I should have went in there, but it would have been nice to know, right? Like, right, you know yeah. what, Jason, right now you go and check the crap out of everything. That would have made it so much simpler, you know, to right. just embrace that and do it as opposed to trying to be a lot of things at once, which it sounded right. like you were talking about as a 16 year old. You didn't know what right. you were supposed to be doing and when you were supposed to be doing yeah. it. Um, but to fast forward, like, I remember uh, going to my first uh, second NHL camp. Uh, as after my 19 year old year, I went to Canucks camp, but we went to the, uh, we were with the LA Kings together real briefly. Mm, you probably yeah. remember that. And, uh, yeah. that was my first camp with the Kings. And I remember sitting in the, the team meeting and the coach and coaching staff at the time talking about roles. Right. And it was like first two lines, you guys are our scoring lines, right? Third line, you're our checking line. You're going to check fourth line. You're our energy. Right. Like, but that's what it was. Right. We, at that time, it's not like that anymore. Right. You got to be able to do everything, but in a way, like back then, I shouldn't say robots, but in a way you kind of were right. Like they put me on the fourth line and my job was to hit and not get scored on and bring energy and get off the ice. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely different now. Right. So, um, Hello there. Just going to take a short break from my conversation with Jared Smithson to one, acknowledge you and say thank you. And to actually promote something that I have going in the background that I'm super proud of. As you guys know, Up My Hockey is a podcast. That's what you're listening to right now. You're choosing to be here. And it is my opportunity and my platform to share others' stories um, about topics reveal topics about their stories that apply to their hockey journey like perseverance like adversity like mindset like all these things that you hear um, on these on these episodes because it is a weekly reminder to me on how to be a better coach and how to be a, a better parent how to be a better person and that success leaves clues all you have to do is ask so this this platform has been amazing for me on a personal level, and I'm getting a lot of feedback from those who are listening that are also using it as a tool um, to you know, remind, acknowledge, inform our, ourselves about, you know what, there is a way to get things done and there is a right way to go about it. Uh, although everyone has a different path, there are, some, there are certain tenets to success that remain stable uh, and unwavering. And 
So Up My Hockey is that, is this platform to talk about these things and how they apply to different people's stories. But Up My Hockey is now also a membership opportunity. And that membership opportunity is dedicated to parents and players uh, who want to be their best, who want their kids to be their best, who want them to be their best, uh, the best people that they can be. And that's the community that I've created. And it exists at upmyhockey.com. And it kind of essentially combines the four things that I'm most passionate about and that I'm the biggest believer in. And that's mentorship and that's coaching and that's community and collaboration and also mindset, right? So those are all things that I know are huge deals when it comes to being your best. You need proper coaching. You need to have mentors in your life. You need collaboration with others who are experts in their field. And you also need to have the right mindset to make things happen. So the Up My Hockey community is just that. It, it's a place where I've put together what I call my Mindset Master Series, which is a four-week online program that's available to members there. Uh, I bring in experts in their field to talk about things like visualization, preparation, skill development, nutrition, you name it, I bring in the best. Uh, they hold their master classes inside this group. Uh, it's, a, it's a community of parents that are navigating their space through the game. Uh, and we are constantly talking about things that happen and supporting each other and, uh, and providing, you know, I also provide a coach's corner aspect where you can ask me anything. Uh, I open up myself to, to the players to, to get them some group coaching opportunities. So there's a lot of good stuff that's happening in there. I'm really proud of it. We are 1100 strong currently. And if that sounds like something that you would like to be a part of, please come check us out. It's uh, www.upmyhockey.com and see if you want to become an Up My Hockey member and uh, and enjoy this journey with some other like-minded parents uh, and players who are trying to be the best that they can be. So uh, that's my little self-promo about Up My Hockey. Uh, it's essentially 30 years in the making and, and like I said, encompasses uh, things that I wish that I had when I was growing up. It, wish, uh, it encompasses things that my parents wished they had when they were bringing me up. And, and it aligns perfectly with what I thought was kind of missing in my own personal development as a player. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I guess we'll get you back to the conversation with Jared. Thanks so much for being here today. That's funny yeah. you bring that up because that was uh, that totally brings me back because that was the one time when I left when I got traded to to LA and Robinson was there and then Robinson got fired and a new coaching staff came in. They told me because I was between contracts that I was their guy to fill that uh, probably third line right wing role. Yeah. And uh, and they wanted me to be 215 pounds, like specifically, right? Which I always played at like 200. And I'm like, right. okay. But I mean, like, yeah. I actually kind of loved that that message, right? So, I mean, came right. into camp at 215 and, you know, fought Jim McKenzie and did the, did all this other stuff. And then whatever, got sent to the minors and didn't work out. But <laughs> right. at least yeah. I kind of knew what they wanted. And, you know, I mean, right. not all the time you are what they want. But at least right. I knew where I was, where I was pigeonholed. But yeah. Um, I want to talk about winning again. So one of the things I talked about with Bruce Boudreau, I told you he's interviewed Gabby was one of the things he would do in the minor leagues was he would always show his team. Maybe you'd remember the lineup of the winning team from the year before. Cause he said there were so many guys from that team that would get pro contracts or would get NHL jobs the next year. And it wasn't always the guys that had the 50 goals and the, and the 40 right. in, in their stat line, you know, like that winning produces success. And Tyson Nash spoke to the same thing in Kamloops, like, all those teams that, that did so well there, 
Yeah. Like there was guys that got drug along for lack of a better word, you know, because right. they watched all the time. Yeah. Right? They're, they're around greatness. The scouts are in the stands. They're playing the longest, you know, like, yeah. like those things really do matter. And that's where guys, in my opinion, that embrace these roles that we're talking about get recognized because those roles need to be filled, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and if you can be a part of something that's winning, that's like winning solves a lot of problems, I guess. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Like by no means were we the, uh, the Camus Blazers at that time, but we were a very good team, right? And as a 19 year old, um, uh, that would have been 99. We actually beat the Camus Blazers. The winner goes to Memorial cup and we ended up, uh, we ended up beating the Blazers and, and again, just our season went so long. Um, scouts were always in the stands. I was fortunate enough to play in Calgary. And at that year, man, our team was so good in the playoffs. We were packing the saddle dome, right? And that's crazy for, for junior hockey, but you can imagine the eyes that were on you, right? So they're there to basically watch the Brendels and the Matt Kinch and the, the Chris Beach, these Brad Stewart, when we had him, these top guys. And, and I was just one of those guys, those, those role, role player guys that I guess just did my job well. And, and, and kind of kept going right and then, then I got to showcase a little bit at the Memorial Cup and we came uh, came real close that one year um, ended up losing in overtime to Ottawa to a, to a very good team but um, yeah I, I played long long those years were long and and probably a, a main reason why I uh, was able to, um, to to play professional was because I had those eyes on me so yeah so you lost you lost the Memorial Cup final. We did, yeah, we did. We ended I have up no uh, idea about we, that. We ended up winning the West. Uh, we beat Kamloops, who who was a stacked team at the time. They had uh, tons of tons of first rounders and, and top prospects, and and a really good team. And and we were uh, we were a good team too. Just we didn't have those big names, but maybe more so of a, an actual team where we had our roles and everyone bought in and um, we went to the Memorial cup and, and did real well and ended up playing uh, Ottawa in the finals, who was uh, the host team and um, crazy game, right? We, we always prided ourselves on being a checking, a, a hard nosed team. And God, I can't remember. I think we lost maybe eight, seven <laughs> in overtime or, or something ridiculous, right? It was just back and forth, back and forth, but uh, we ended up losing in overtime and, and, and that, that really stung, right? Because oh. as a junior player, a major junior player, like all you see and all you want to do is host, hoist that uh, Memorial Cup, right? And you see these guys that are praying around and to come that close at, at that age uh, was, it really was heartbreaking. I, I'll never forget the feeling and how devastated we were. But uh, um, anyhow, awesome experience. And yeah, and, and yeah it was, it was a, a lot of fun. What an awesome, awesome experience that's crazy to get that far um did did you did it take away like what what i find interesting about that i mean i got to a a whl final so we lost to brandon uh for the league we won the west and and got beat by brandon in the final generally speaking like that's the championship for everything else junior hockey right you know like you're done you did the best you could like did it did it feel like could you at least go back to that that you were the best of the west or 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 really was it like man we needed to win that memorial it did and you know what like the crazy thing was we had an even better team the year after right so that was my 20 year old year and and to be able to go that far and not get it we kind of felt like we had some unfinished business right And, and even that year we were the top team in the country from the start of the season right till uh the playoffs started and even then we uh we did well we ended up losing to uh to Kootenay the Cranbrook 
Cranbrook mm-hmm. Ice there, I guess they were, and um, which were a very good team too. They had uh, they had that old barn they played in, and, and tough to win. It was like yeah. playing in a shoebox, right? And uh, they took advantage of that. But um, yeah, we had a we had a really good team. So when we didn't finish it off that twenty year old year, I, I definitely felt like uh, we, we missed an opportunity. But yeah, yeah, yeah it happens. Um, I mean, you mentioned Pavel Brendel, and I just think for for the young players listening there, like so Pavel Brendel went fourth overall scored i don't know an ungodly amount of goals and like you had over a goal a game i think one year yeah. like scored 65 goals or something pavel brendel's played 78 games in the nhl and you played 606 yeah. and you didn't score 40 goals your entire whl season i mean career right. you know like right. just, just like to just to put perspective yeah. on right like what it means to get to where you want to go doesn't have to be glitz and glam all the time right it it, no. it, it is doing something well and um you, you you would have won a lot of bets, I think, at that time, saying, you know, who's who's going to play more NHL games, Jared Smithson or Pavel Brendel, <laughs> like the NHL scouts, right? And yeah, if you come yeah. to the top end of that thing. I just think that it's an interesting thing to point out because there is a lot of headlines. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. Um, you do what you do well, keep growing and keep getting better, and, and good things happen. Yeah. Um, talk about being, like, your first NHL camp. Talk about getting signed and how that, how that process happened. Uh, well, my first camp was actually – was after that uh my 19 year old year so we went to the memorial cup i did well um obviously not can't get drafted i I don't think at 19 but uh got a got a tryout with vancouver canucks and wasn't a big canucks fan but didn't care the cool thing part of it was um their camp was in kamloops which was literally a stone's throw away right so i got to go to the vancouver canucks camp that was held in kamloops uh, I had all my family could to come watch uh, and friends if they're around, right? And uh, and an awesome experience. Uh, I did well. They ended up sending me to the minors and then wanted to sign me to a 25-game tryout contract, and I didn't want to do that. And so did my 20-year-old year and, and ended up uh, signing with the LA Kings. And then kind of once I got there, that's um, – that's kind of when I knew I had a lot of work to do, right? When you, when you see these, these big bodies and these, these world-class athletes at that time with LA, who was it? They had Allison and, and dead Marsh and, and Ziggy Palfi and, and just top end players. Right. And, and that's when I kind of really realized I've still got a lot of work to do. Right. And a lot of improving to do. And um, but yeah, uh, a great experience and, and just, kind of wanted to get my foot in the door more than anything, right? Like I yep. knew I wasn't going to be a, a top end prospect, but I just wanted to have that chance, right? And be able to show myself and learn. So no, well, good very, for you. very thankful, very th- thankful for, for them to, for giving me that shot. Right. And, right. And, and, and then what, what did it look like for you then in a, in an undrafted scenario, a free agent signing scenario? Uh, because I talked to, I mean, a guy like Nathan Dempsey, for instance, which was an amazing interview. Like he was a, I think he got drafted in the 11th round at the time. And like, so his camp at NHL was like, he knew he wasn't making the NHL team, but he was like, his goal was, can I stay in the AHL at that mm-hmm. time? Like, I mean, I need to make a spot here. And and some things had to go right for that to happen. It, it, was that similar to you or what was your mindset? It like, was actually a crazy thing. Uh, I actually ended up having two shoulder, both my shoulders operated on my, my first year. So my, when I went to camp, I had, I was just getting over a shoulder surgery that I had in the summer. And then my other shoulder was bugging me. They went and did an MRI and, and realized that I needed the other one done. So I wasn't even thinking about 
at that time even make playing in the American League. I just wanted to get healthy, right? And I wasn't able to uh, to to start my first year until January. So and and at that point, then I was like, "Holy crow! I've got to play catch up, right? I am behind the eight ball. These guys are are in mid season form, and 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 I haven't played a professional game yet, right? So wow. it was uh, it was tough. They actually ended up uh, sending me to the East Coast Hockey League for um, for a couple weeks, and ended up playing three games there, and uh, and that was uh, kind of a, an eye opener as well, right? I honestly at that point thought uh, my professional career was done right I, I was down in the east coast i had no idea when i was going to get back um again it was just a it was just a tough time it's not how i envisioned things going i thought i was going to go to camp go play in the american league kind of make my name there and then hopefully move up right but and i found myself in the east coast league and 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 that was a, a tough pill to swallow um luckily enough uh they recalled me back uh, fairly quick and uh ended up finishing out the year in the American league. But um, yeah, w- once you get there, you, you realize how good that American hockey league is, right? It is, uh, it is no joke. Uh, there's some, some phenomenal ho- hockey players there and, and the talent that's there. It's a, uh, it's, it's a very, very good league. And as you know, right, it's uh, it's not easy to, to put up points in that league either. Right. Those, those teams are good and all the players are hungry. They're all fighting for jobs and, and trying to get that next call. Right. So, um, that's kind of, once I got called up to the American league, my goal was just to stay there. Right. I want to be here. Right. And I know there's guys nipping at our nipping at my butt, trying to take my job here now. So I wasn't even thinking really NHL. I wanted to, you know, well, yeah, stick around I mean, this league. Right. So that first year, I mean, first pro year, I was going to ask you, you know, specifically about that, but that's you know, coming off two sur- surgeries, like, and now trying to yeah. step into, into that league and with everything else that's going on and paying your own bills and finding your own house and oh God, you know, yeah, all these other things that are happening at the same time, man, that must've been a whirlwind for you. And, um, was it a three, were you on a two-way contract then at the time? Is that what I was, yeah, I was on a two-way. Um, yeah. so Right. But even then, like the, the, the contract I got, I, I was basically, uh, it was for an American league roster. I was there to, to fill an American league spot. My signing bonus wasn't huge. My salary in the minors wasn't huge. It was right. Just go there and, and kind of fill a spot. Right. So, and to, to top it off, it was in Lowell, Massachusetts. Right. So you played Lowell too. It's not the, uh, it's not the nicest place to, uh, to, to play your first year professional right it was uh, there wasn't much going on they had they had a great rink and, and it was a good group of guys but city wise it, uh, it it wasn't what i thought professional hockey was gonna, was going to yeah. be like right but i think that's a good way to put it yeah the the american league is interesting you have you have uh, a, a pretty big cross section of, of what you what you go through there um so so you step foot in the coast you're thinking holy smokes what's going on here um got your way back and now you're the next year Lowell moves to Manchester and yeah. how is that like do you start to feel more comfortable at this point is it like yeah this I, I am here and like you're getting regular minutes and everything else yeah I was I was able to train right that summer was huge like uh I had Bruce Boudreaux as the coach and Bruce was phenomenal I I love Bruce and, and he helped me out a ton he um he just stressed the importance of having a good summer to be able to pack on some strength and some size and and to get my speed up and and basically that that, that would be my first year of pro right because I got through that year it was a bit of a, a write-off but now now's the time to, to kind of make some noise and 
Um, we went to Manchester. It was a fresh start. I ended up playing, um, God, I don't know how many games, 82 games. I can't remember how many games we even played that year, but uh, I ended up playing them all, um, stayed healthy. I, I felt really good. And again, uh, Bruce found a role for me. It was like fourth line, but third line sometimes, but I was penalty killing right now. He had me taking big face-offs and kind of going back to the Calgary days where I felt like, yeah, okay, now I'm a part of things here. Let's, uh, let's get back to doing kind of what I, what I know and, and how I, how I do things. And, um, he was a, he was a huge help in my career because he just made me kind of feel part of it and stress the importance of if you're going to make it, this is why you're going to make it. It's because you can penalty kill and play physical and, and good on the faceoff circle. So. So when you're, when you're talking about that summer now, because another thing that I like to talk about, I don't dig in too much, but hard work means different things to different people at yeah. different times, right? And you mentioned walking into LA camp and going, holy smokes, I got a long way to go. A lot of guys get that when they see somebody like Rod Brindamore in, in the weight room thinking like, yeah. oh, I thought I worked hard. That guy works hard. You know, like, yeah. did you, did you find a different level for yourself that summer? Um, and if you did, like, what was, what did that look like for you as far as your training and trying to get yourself ready for this pro game that you had really yet to experience and, right. and how you wanted it to? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, seeing those guys, like, uh, again, now I've been to a couple camps and, and knowing how big and strong and, 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 yeah, just physical. Those guys were, I knew I had to put in some work. Um, but I always, crazy thing. I always did my own workouts. Like I always kind of did it myself. I, LA would give me the program. Here's your program. Like a lot of guys would toss it and go work with their trainer. Right. And, and I, I never did. I kind of just did it myself. Right. I took the program. I knew other things that I had to do. Right. Man, I got to get my legs stronger. I need to get my shoulders back in to hundred percent. Right. And it was never, um, it was never hard to get motivated. I was kind of almost motivated by fear in a way. Um, not fear like, Oh God, like I'm scared of this guy. It was fear that, yeah. man, I'm going to, I'm going to let someone down or someone's going to take my spot or I'm going to show up in camp and, and be terrible in the wind gate or whatever it is. Right. These, these crazy tests that, that they have. And, and that was my motivation. It was like, man, I, I don't want to be that guy. Right. I don't want to be, the one where they just see me and say, next, beat it, right? So um, I had no problem pushing myself. Uh, it wasn't until later in my career where I kind of started working with a trainer where I needed some more specifics, right? But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely knew I had to definitely get a lot stronger and, uh, and yeah, just those those off-ice issues, right, that you, you kind of got to take care of, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, and and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my myself anywhere near the level of the likes of a Brindamore or what have you. But like, no. there there is something about you know getting to that level of pro for sure, um, where it's just you in a room or on a or on a hill running or riding a bike or whatever it is where nobody's watching, right? And and you're having conversations with yourself because you can get off the bike. Yep. You know, you could walk, you could say this is a pretty tough this day, but you know, but you can't. And I, and I think that there's guys like sometimes some guys do and some guys don't, you know, I mean, that was right. one thing that kind of, again, I, I took pride in that. I always felt like I was the guy that was going to, when it really hurt, like I found a way right. that I wanted it to hurt, you know, like I right. found, I found kind of joy in that. Um, 
yeah. I, I see that in you too. Like, do you have any, like, is there any secret sauce for that? Like now as a dad, like thinking about little Hunter coming up, like would, would there be a way to teach that, do you think, or talk about it? I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think a lot of it, a lot of the, the work ethic, I mean, for, for myself, it, it came from watching my parents, watching my dad. I mean, he, ne- he never played professional hockey, but just seeing the work he put in nine to five and then coming home and still having the, the time and energy to get me to hockey and coach me to hockey and get my sister to her sports. And and it wasn't until you get a little bit older and you realize, holy crow, that must have been hard. Like when we, when we went to sleep at night, he must've just shut her down hard, right? Like he must've been exhausted. Right. But, but he did it. And, and the older I got and you start to realize like the importance of that is, man, I've been given an opportunity where I get to play hockey for a living. I better take advantage of this. Right. Otherwise, Mm. right. I could be doing something I don't want to do. Right. And, and then life's really not that much fun or as fun as it, it could be playing hockey. Right. So uh, I de- definitely didn't want to let that slip. So the motivation and, and, and that was, was never really an issue, but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very important part, obviously. I think it is. Yeah. And, and an interesting way I go, I talked with one of my clients the other day, cause he got his, his junior, you know, like you said, the junior tryout package or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, not tryout, but like to, you know, to get, to get ready or what, whatever you're supposed to do. I shouldn't say the other day, but the beginning of summer and, and we had a discussion about that. And I'm like, so what if, like, what happens if you do this program? And he's like, oh, I'll probably be in pretty good shape. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, what if everybody's doing the exact same thing? Right. Right. And I'm like, how are you making any difference? You know? And, and it yeah. was, so it was like an interesting discussion with that because I mean, if you're doing what everyone's doing and if you need to close a gap, then you probably need to do something different you right? Know, something Absolutely. or something. Right. So it's, you know, sometimes it's driven out of fear, like you say. Sometimes it's driven out of, I mean, that those crazy guys, those crazy ones, like the Sidney Crosby's that continue yeah. to push the envelope when they're the best already. Right. And then they want to get better or they want to, you know, I don't know what, what like that, that mindset is insane. But it is, you know, it, it is good to ask ourselves those questions sometimes. Is like, you know, what is enough? Where is my limit? Like, right. what does hard work mean to me? What am, what am I prepared to do here to get yeah. what I want? And when you come to an honest answer, then you can figure it out, you know, and it's yeah. just, uh, it's different for everybody, but uh, I know it's it get, takes work. It takes work. It's it's getting out of that comfort zone too, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you could go put in a, a, a good work work day in the gym and, right? But is it, like you said, is it enough, right? Can mm-hmm. I do more? Are the other guys doing more? They're doing the exact same. They're all squatting. They're all jumping. They're all sprinting. They're all, right? Yeah. So what are, what are the other things, right, that, that you can work on or improve on so yeah it's a it's a never-ending battle right that's for sure yeah. but i uh, heard uh i heard an awesome story from graham townsend uh so he was a played played nhl a little bit he runs hockey camps now he was at an nhl alumni thing i was at and and he told a story uh about how he trained and like how he how he built his motivation and and he he said that he envisioned this guy this russian named boris and and Boris wanted his job. And he said it was like crystal, like he could see him, right? And he could see him in Russia and he could see him running, wow. running in Siberia. And he could see him bench pressing. And, and every time he thought that, you know what, like maybe today's enough, he's like, what's Boris doing right now? And so he right. created this kind of alter, and not really an alter ego, but this 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 guy yeah. that wanted that wanted his his peace, right? And and so he built this kind of persona around that. I mean, no one's gonna outwork him. And 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 he he to this day he kind of says that's that's really what what allowed him to to get to that level. And I just love that everyone that's like awesome. different stories, yeah. right? And different people, different things that people share. Yeah. But whatever, um, whatever motivates you, right? Whatever yeah. can 
can get you going and bring it to that next year, next year. Right. That's mm-hmm. uh that's, that's a cool story. What about, what about the first game in the NHL? So now you got one year under your belt, I see. Um, and then you come up and you're with Manchester again. I mean, really, like you said, really only one year pro and like, mm-hmm. you know, getting, get, having a role, but you mean limited minutes. And then the next year you play 22 games in the NHL, like, awesome awesome start there for a 22 year old what were those games like and what was that call like oh i mean i'll remember it like it was yesterday um again back then there was no cell phone so i remember uh when was it it was uh god maybe just after christmas and we were actually getting ready for a game in uh in in manchester and i was getting ready for my pregame nap and we had one of the old school answering machines up upstairs me and my roommate and uh the phone's ringing and I'm God, whatever. I put my pillow over my head. I'm, I just want to shut her down. Right. And, and it's Bruce Boudreaux on, on leaves a message. He's like, Smitty, Smitty, wake up, wake up. You're going to the NHL. Right. And <laughs> man, I jumped out of bed and it was the, uh, the best phone call ever. Right. I, I called him back and he's like, pack your bags. The, the flight literally leaves in a couple hours. We got to get you to the airport. You're going to meet the team in LA and, and you're flying to Colorado. So um, that call was amazing. Um, my first game was uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, in that year, you can uh, you can imagine the players that were on that team. There was um, Patrick Waugh, there was Forsberg, there was Sackick, there was, God, just Hall of Famers, like, <laughs> left and right, right? So uh, I was really good. I got to have a day of practice in L.A. before we, uh, before we flew to Colorado. So I got to kind of feel a little bit more comfortable around the guys and they were all great. They were all welcoming. And, and we got to Colorado and went for dinner that night and next morning pregame skate was good. I was excited. I was real good until I went out for warm up, and uh, <laughs> we started flying around and I'm looking down there and I see Patrick Waugh and Sackick, like these names that I mentioned in Forsberg. And I mean, God, I had these posters on my wall as a kid. Right. And, and my stomach just started turning. And uh, after warm up, I went into the bathroom and I was this close to, to letting her fly. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was tough, but uh, I, I got out there and uh, I got my first shift um, a few minutes into the game. And then, and it was a it was a face off, right? So I got to kind of go out there, and that was one of my my stronger points as a player. So I went out there, and and it was almost like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I, I actually ended up winning the face off, and I just remember taking a deep breath, being like, "Okay, now I can I'm here. I can go play hockey." And I ended up playing nine minutes that game, and oh, and good. yeah, it was pretty good, right? As yeah. as a fourth line guy, and and ended up getting a shot on net, but just being able to to play against those type of players and to see what it takes to, to do that. And that was only one game. I, and I had no idea how you, how you do that year after year after year. Right. So um, dream come true, uh, uh, a memory that uh, hopefully I'll have forever and uh, just something I will never, ever forget. Right. Do you remember so, who your wingers were? Yeah. I had probably the toughest line in the NHL. I had uh, uh, Brad Norton was, uh, was the winger and I had Kip Brennan. So uh, there, uh, yeah, there was not a lot of uh, playmaking going on for, for those shifts. Like I said before, Andy Murray, who was the coach then, he was a big believer in that uh, you're the fourth line, you are our energy line. I want you to create energy for our team and then don't get scored on, right? Well, yeah. easier said than done, right? But um, yeah, so we'd just go out there and literally just run around and, and chip pucks in and, and try to get a hit and, and get off and 
provide some type of spark for the team. Right. So, um, but at that point I was willing to do anything to, to stick around. So do you know what happened there? Like, as far as like, did someone get hurt? Is that, is that what happened? Did someone get yeah. sent down or? Yeah. I, I don't know who, but it, but it was an injury. Right. So, so I went in, I can't remember. There was, there was a, there was a few guys that were kind of going in and out. Um, uh, at that time, uh, Steve Kelly was another guy. Uh, I know, you know, killer. Um, yeah. he was a guy that would kind of come up and fill those roles. Actually, I think killer was, uh, he played in that game when, uh, my first NHL game. So, um, but it was an injury. So I got to go up and, uh, I think I only played maybe four games and then they sent me back down. Right. But to me, that was just enough to, to kind of really give me a wake up being like, Hey, let's, let's kick it into gear here and let's do whatever we can to get back. Right. And, and, and got another shot a little bit later and, and stuck around for, for the rest of the year. But, um, oh, yeah, that's cool. def- so you got, then you got like 18 games in the second call up and, and yeah, it yeah. Out. ended up, uh, getting a few more in there and, uh, and, and back then, I don't know how my agent worked this, but he got a games played bonus in there. So I ended up hitting the 20 games played bonus, right? And, and when you're only making uh, 40,000 in the minors and you get an extra 10, 15 grand in the pocket, that was, uh, <laughs> that was huge money, right? So yeah, um, yeah was, definitely, uh, definitely a cool story and, and a cool memory. What, um, well, good on, good on LA though, too, because at, at that time, not a lot of teams were calling up third line players to fill those third line roles, you know, from the AHL, like sometimes they were rewarding guys who were power play guys. And then they were putting them in those roles. And now those guys don't know how to play those roles. You know, exactly. Like now what am I supposed to do? I kind of mentioned earlier on, on this, uh, on on this, on this show, right? Like I think that's awesome when teams do that because you have a guy and you're molding a guy to do a specific thing. Right. So why not reward him with that spot? If that spot is the one that comes available, you know, like exactly. it just sense to me, but it wasn't happening that much at that time. Not at all. Not at all. Right. They would, they would call in the American league, these top, top six guys, they'd calm down. Well, you're going to play on the energy line or you're going to play on the third line checking. Well, that's not who they are as a player. That's not right. what you've had them do for the last number of years. Like, how do you expect them to have success when they when they go in there and then they just yeah figure it out, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it out. it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's it's real hard, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's just one thing about um, about being in that role in that position that if that's what they wanted, I was comfortable in it, right? I knew I wasn't going up there to score. I knew yeah. they didn't expect it. I could almost there was less pressure. I just had to go out there and, and play with energy, and and that really is the easy part, right? But I see the 21 Timbers. Yeah, yeah. There you was, got, uh, maybe there was one. There was one major in there somewhere. Do you remember? There was, that was yeah. That was a fight. That was uh, that was Jeff Cowan, and uh, I found out uh, real quick that Jeff Cowan is a lefty, and uh, <laughs> and, tough. But, uh, and tough, and and tough, right? And and tough, right? Yeah, I took a run at someone, and he came flying in, and and yeah. But again, an, another cool memory, right? Because there's my. I mean, I grew up watching Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey, and you're seeing the goals, the hits, and fights, and now I got my first fight in the NHL, right? So that was uh, that was cool. Didn't uh, didn't go the way I, I kind of envisioned it, but uh, <laughs> that's, that wasn't my role either, right? <laughs> right. Was that, was that ever uh, an element for you, like as part of your game? Uh, meaning, like, I assume you'd be prepared to, but was it ever something that was kind of asked of you? Or were you, were you, did you think to yourself, I need to fight ever? Like this is, this is something I'm supposed to be doing. Not, not really. I, I did it a little bit in junior when I, when I got a little bit older and a little bit more comfortable, right. And a little bit stronger um, my last few years, but um, 
it wasn't something that, I mean, it's something really, I, I didn't, I mean, who loves fighting really? Maybe a handful of guys, but um, I wasn't great at it. I realized real quick, you get slugged in the nose. It's not much fun. Right. So, um, but it was something that, again, if you're going to play that energy role and be, and be physical, you better be ready to, to do it every once in a while. So it was, it was always something that maybe it happened once or twice a year, right. You'd stick up for yourself or a teammate, but um, the teams I played for always had guys where that was their kind of their thing. Those enforcer type players that, that would go out and do it. But, um, uh, man, what a tough job that would have been. Right. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine. Do you think, um, you know, some of the rule changes coming now through junior hockey, the BC junior level or junior a level, uh, some pretty big changes as far as what happens when you fight, um, you know, the Quebec league made, made some pretty big changes. Do you think the fighting is going to be gone eventually? And, and if you do, do you, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, that's, that's a tough question, right? Especially with, uh, with a young son that's, that's kind of coming up, not saying that he's going to be a, a junior or an NHL player, but that is kind of wants to play hockey, as he says. But I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I still, as crazy as this may sound, I still think it's important to the game. I think if you take it away, I think it can get pretty chippy and pretty dirty real fast, right? So um, I think they're kind of doing it the right way, right? Where they're eliminating the, the staged fighting and the, you don't have those guys where, hey, your role is strictly to step out in the ice for 10 seconds and fight, right? Like, you mm-hmm. got to be able to play the game now. And, yeah. and I think that's huge. And as a fan, I love watching it. I love watching the the Reeves, right? And the, the Matt Martins and these guys in the NHL that, that will hit and fight, but can still skate and keep up. And um, it's, uh, it's tricky because I, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that have been dealing with concussions and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's a, that's a scary thing. Right. So, um, but I do think it, it needs to be a part of the game still. Yeah, there's an element to me that I like it too, and and for some reason, and maybe it's the dinosaur in me. Like I, I, I think it separates a, a personality type out of the game. Right. Maybe personality is the wrong word, but like, you know that if you're gonna go in and play somebody hard right now in today's game, even finish your check card, whatever the case may be, that you might be forced to drop your gloves. Right. So, just having that makes you have a gut check. Right. Yes. Like one, am I going to do it? Can I do it? Am I willing to do it? And and yeah. I just think that having to answer that bell personally and knowing that the guys in your team are willing to answer that bell to me, like that checks the box that I'm like, I like being a hockey player. Yes. You know? like, I, I think that that's a cool thing. Now, now whether that's right or wrong or whether it should be a part of the sport, it's the only sport in the world that allows it without getting it kicked right. out. So, right. so maybe it does need to go, but there is something for me that I love about that, 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 yeah. that I think separates it. And I think allows you and I to have this kind of bond in a weird way that it's like, you know what, we played the sport where this was a part of it and we were able to do it, you know? Yeah. It just keeps you honest, right? And mm-hmm. you can see what can happen when, when guys go out there and and there is no fighting. Like I played a year over in Europe and that was some of the chippiest kind of dirty plays that I've ever seen, right? And no one had to answer the bell. You didn't have to, you just skate off the ice and, and they would laugh, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're in the game now, right? Like if you want to run your mouth or you want to do something stupid or you want to just play physical or spark the team, right? Then... It, it, it's part of it right and then yeah. i think it's a it, it's a 
it's a major part and, and in my opinion should still be around right yeah i agree but it's crazy because it's getting less physical all the time too it's like barely yeah. sometimes there's barely any hits in, in a game in an nhl game so like it's kind of nuts like i kind of see it probably yeah. leaving and i probably think that when it leaves like no one's gonna have any desire to do it which no. is why it's gonna leave right and it almost seems like it's kind of going that way whereas yeah. i mean the other side of it is though too i think these guys are super valuable now that that are willing to to go that route you know yes uh, like especially come playoff time start to play heavy start to play you know it starts different type of players are, are able to to make themselves known and some of these pretenders do start to go away in the playoffs you I mean right. you see it every year right it's like now yeah. they're getting tested in that way that they haven't been tested and and they don't show up so exactly. um, those guys are valuable um for yep. sure Getting back to your story, uh, Smitty. So you you end up finishing the game, playing twenty two games, and then the next year, though, looks like probably you got. I'm not sure. Like, did you not make the team out of camp? Uh, did you did you end up getting sent down and start starting the, the league and starting the year in, in Manchester? I was uh, I was last cut. I was the the last cut out of training camp. Um, it was funny. I uh, in a way, I kind of drifted away from my role. Like I, I got to camp and I knew I was fighting for that fourth line position that was a, an energy guy and, and physical and face-offs. But the camp I was having, I wasn't scoring, but for whatever reason, I, I had the puck in my stick more, right? And I was trying to be more creative and and I, and I almost got kind of carried away a little bit, right? And <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah, here we go, right? But uh, and, and they wanted more. They wanted me to be physical and harder. And they ended up going with another player. Uh, and that was actually a European um, player, which uh, at that time kind of frustrated me because you wanted an energy guy and you, and you brought a, a skilled European in. Um, so, yeah, I got sent to the minors um, to start the year. And, and uh, but again, I, I wanted to be back. Um, it just, I didn't get as many games in that year um injuries were were part of it for for up there like the the guys the spots weren't open um i didn't do as well that year like uh the year before i I put some points up in the american league but uh struggled a little bit uh offensively right but Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just uh it was one of those things where it was kind of like uh deflating right like i went into that summer thinking yeah here we go i'm gonna stand a chance of making it right out of camp and it didn't happen and um yeah, it was just one of those things. So, but yeah, it's 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 strange because you have this this idea, this expectation, you know, and a personal expectation of what you want to happen, and then that doesn't happen, and now you're in the minors again, and then the minors doesn't turn into one or two days; it turns into months, which yeah. sometimes turned into seasons. And it's like, I mean, I've been there, right? Which is why I'm saying that. So it's like you end up trying to reinvent yourself or figure out or find renewed hope or whatever. Like, where were you in that process? Cause it was kind of, I mean, you did get eight games there like the following or that next year, but you know, another full year in the minors after that, you know, it's yeah. like, were you, yeah. uh, how, how was that? How was that headspace for you at that time? Uh, it, it was tough. It was, it was real tough. Um, again, luckily I had uh, Bruce Boudreaux as a coach and, and he was super supportive and, and still like, stress the importance of your role and doing what you do right but it it was just one of those things it was it was a down year in in my opinion for myself like points wise and 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 again I wanted to be up top right and uh and and so that was tough and then after that the season ended LA basically um parted ways with me they uh they didn't want to resign me and and again, that's kind of all I knew. That was my first organization. That's where I kind of wanted to be. I played my first games there. 
And, and again, that was a tough pill to swallow too. When they tell your agent, sorry, we're going to, we're going to pass. He can go elsewhere. So um, yeah, tough one, but uh, again, all part of the learning process. And, and I was able to, to kind of feed off it and draw on it every once in a while and, and build off it. What was that off season? Like, so, I mean, so LA says, no, no, thanks. Um, was the phone ringing? Were you waiting? Like, was there anxiety in that process? Like how long did it take till, uh, till Nashville gave you a call? Uh, it was, it was actually right away. It was funny. I actually was headed to, uh, the Calgary stampede and, uh, <laughs> I was, I was going down to, to have a good time with some Drink of my, old, away. Was, yeah, some of my <laughs> hitman buddies. And, uh, and I got a phone call from the agent saying that, Hey, there's a, there's a handful of teams that are, that are interested again at that time. It, it was a two way deal, right? Like good money in the American league, get a shot to play up in the NHL. Right. So he really, um, he really pushed Nashville. My agent really pushed Nashville. They're a young team. They, they're your type of your type of team. They're just blue collar, hard nosed. They go out there and just play the same type of game every game. And um, so I made that decision to go there, and um, and it was huge. Um, unfortunately, it was the uh, the lockout year. <laughs> so again, we we I spent the whole year in in, in Milwaukee in the American League, but um, was uh, fortunate enough to play with uh, Claude Noel play for Claude Noel, who was the head coach there. And, and he was, uh, in, in my mind, the guy that kind of got me to the next level. Cool. Just yeah. by, just by expecting more, right. And not being satisfied. And, and I'd always go out there and work my, work my butt off and kind of do my thing. Right. But he wanted more out of me. Right. And he really pushed me and got me out of my comfort zone. And, um, and, and that was huge for me, exactly what I needed. That's awesome. How did he do that? Uh, you know what? He pulled me into the locker room or into the office one day and we were kind of talking and he was mentioning about uh, how my season was going so far and he liked how he played and what I bring to the team. And, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, great. It's just going to be one of those meetings. We can kind of ham it up a bit and, and chat. And he's like, but he's like, I, I need more out of you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, how so? He's like, your shifts, you go out there, you skate hard, you hit, you, you, you play with energy, you do it for 40 seconds. He's like, I need longer. And I was like, oh. He's like, I want you to go longer. I want you to push yourself. I want you to. So he's like, I need you to do more off ice during the season. And I'm like, wow, I've never had a coach, especially in the American League, tell me that, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was in my corner. He wanted to see me, not just for the team, but to see me get to that next level because he knew that's what I needed right and was a little bit more in certain things and and so he had me riding the bike and he had me working and and trying to get my strength up and and slowly my shift started getting a little bit longer right to be able to play with that energy and and that passion that uh, that I normally played with and um yeah it was just a again a, a meeting I'll, I'll never ever forget because it was something that uh, just kind of maybe really open my eyes and being like, yeah, maybe I'm not doing enough. Right. Maybe I need to right. do more to be a regular. So, yeah. That's really cool. Did he, I, I remember in a previous discussion that, that you said that you felt that that was a really impactful year in, in more ways than one though. I, I thought you mentioned that maybe even like from a understanding of the game type scenario, like, you know, like you're, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was, was that part of the equation too, of like really just really getting what it is you were doing out there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Claude Noel was the coach and the, and the assistant was uh, Todd Richards, who I believe just won a Stanley Cup there with uh, with Tampa as an assistant coach. And 
and both those guys just bringing me in constantly watching video, whether it was positive or negative, right? Rarely did he come in and, and chew you out, but there was always stuff that you can improve on, right? And and just being more of a student, student of the game, right? It it took me a little bit longer for, for all that stuff, but to really kind of realize how the game's played and how you need to play the game every single day to be a good pro and to last in this in this game, right? So um yeah those guys definitely uh definitely changed my my career and got it heading in the right direction and what an interesting like it just occurred to me too like you didn't have to worry about that anxiety of not getting called up because there's no place to get called up to right that was so, that was a bit that was the biggest thing right yeah so you can just I, feel you can feel like this is home this is home i can yeah. get as good as i can here in this house and not worry about anything else that must have probably had a good you know a good desired impact and yeah, and, and that was my first year there. So a lot of times you go to a new team and, and you're kind of careful and you don't want to step on any toes or, or rub anyone the wrong way, but they, they just allowed me to be me, right? And be comfortable and come and have fun at practice and not be afraid to make mistakes, right? Because mistakes happen all the time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of times, like we talked about when I was with LA, I was terrified. I was terrified to make a mistake, right? Because I knew my butt would be stapled to the bench, right? And mm-hmm. and, and practice, I'd be I'd be so jacked up for practice. I'm like, I can't I can't even stick handle, right? I'm so nervous. So they allowed me to just kind of basically breathe, calm, yeah. get relaxed, and, and go play the game. And 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 once I kind of found that level, it uh, it was such a game changer for me, as for anyone in life, right? If you, if you're confident, and comfortable in, in what you're doing, then you know it's gonna come easy. So. Yeah, there's there the impact of a coach can't be understated. I don't think like in in right. in the right uh, situation for the right player, like it can be that thing. You know, it can be that thing. They breathe new life into you, more belief into you, right? Like more ownership of even your role. Like I remember the one time, like Mike, Mike Babcock said something nice to me, and it was probably the only time he ever said something nice to me was was in our playoff run there where we were down three nothing. He said, Jason, we we need you. We, you got to put this team on your back. Like I need you. Like Mike, I, I, like I can vividly remember this discussion in the right. hall, and it was like I grew three inches. Right. And, you know that somebody wanted me to really do well, and they needed me. You know, like it, it's this. It's a different feeling, right? It's different, different feeling than playing, playing, squeezing the sap out of your stick, like you were saying, and worried about making a mistake and fearful, like almost like somebody's watching you waiting for you to make a mistake so they can you can you know they can give you a reason to to send you down or to put you on the bench or whatever exactly exactly yeah yeah just i feel so fortunate right because i i had a good coach in in junior and then i got to play for bruce who was an awesome coach and then i went to nashville's organization and had claude noel and then i i mean it it actually even got better once i got to nashville right because yeah in my mind barry trotz is the mecca for uh, right coaches yeah. like the players coach the kind of guy that uh, that you want running the team he cares about you as much off the ice as he does on the ice which i mean that it doesn't happen right and, and if you can get a coach to to believe in you and show that they actually care right and like you said you just feel 10 feet tall and, and you feel yeah. like okay here we go right you can kind of just relax and, and take a breath and, and go out and do your thing so Awesome. Yeah, I want to talk about Barry. But first of all, I want to give you the respect you deserve because, I mean, that it's one thing to have a coach. Because, I mean, again, I've had coaches on this podcast before. And like, and now it's like a, it's a why era, right? You have to tell the players why all the time. They're going to ask why, mm-hmm. why, why. And they're going to come into the office and they're demanding this, they're demanding that. So it's like you have to be ready to give them answers. 
But a lot of times people don't want to follow through on what that answer entails. You know, right. well, you need to go to work. Well, you need to put on weight. Well, you need to get better in your face sauce. Well, you need to do this. And then they just go back to doing the same old thing, you know? So like the right. fact that it's, it's one thing for a coach to tell you that first, another thing for you to actually go out there and do it and get excited about it and, right. and, and do it again and again and again. So good on you, because it sounds like, you I mean, that was a turning point and you did get better and you did do the work and you were accountable to what, uh, to what Claude wanted and, mm-hmm. and were rewarded, you know, that next season by getting an opportunity to play for the Predators and, 10 seasons later. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Right? But... 10 seasons later of NHL hockey, man. Like you really, you didn't see the minors again until 2013, 2014. Like that's so impressive um, and really, really awesome. Well, what was, what was Barry Trotz like? And that, I don't know, just like what was, what was stepping into that Nashville uniform? Because it looks like you made it out of camp the next year. Right? Uh, well, I didn't actually, I ended up oh, being one of the, the last ones cut again, but again, it was just, it was down. I was down for a little bit. They called me right back up and, and, uh, I kind of seized it from there, but, um, Oh, got to eight games, right? Yeah. Eight. But, uh, yeah, you know what, again, a little bit nervous, right? At least I knew some players from, from the minors from the year before. Right. But, uh, when you look at Barry, he's a, he's a pretty uh, intimidating looking guy, right? He looks like he can, uh, really be a, a screamer and a yeller and someone that can tear a strip off you. But, uh, and don't get me wrong, he can do that. Right. But that's not really his coaching style. He was, uh, he was, he was understanding. He was, he would give you your chance, but um, you know, you had to, uh, you had to put the work in. Right. And, and again, he found a, he found a role for me and uh, I was lucky enough to kind of seize it and, and run with it for a bit. That's awesome. He, I saw really cool, a clip from him he was on stage at a at a conference and and you know I'll I'll paraphrase him I probably won't say it as good as he did but he said coaches train people instructors teach drills and uh and I thought that resonated because for me when I try and deal with whoever I'm dealing with on a one-on-one level or on a team level like I do want the person, like you said, like when, when Claude Noel was like going to bat for you is going bat for you as a person. And then as a player, and it sounds like Barry Trotz wants the people in his organization to feel trusted, valued, wanted, you know, revered. Uh, yeah. can you, did you see that with him? Like for, from the get go, that that was the type of uh, approach that he had. Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and we kind of hit it off myself and him right away. Uh, he has a house, he lives uh, in Vernon in the off season. So we kind of had something in common, kind of right off the bat but um constantly asking hey hey jared how's how's mom and dad doing what's going on back in Vernon? have you talked to so and so like just small chat that a lot of nhl coaches maybe they do now but they definitely weren't doing back then right so um and just made the guys feel comfortable when it was time to 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 go to work and when things weren't going well sure it was hard right all, all coaches are right but um he was uh, he was a player's coach and and a guy that just you couldn't help but uh, go through the end wall for. I love. I mean, I, I'm going to actually I'm going to hit you up to to uh, hopefully put me in contact with Barry because yeah. like he has been he's been somebody that I've been following and and even that's him winning the cup and then not choosing or I don't know how that worked but then not going back there and going Crazy. to New York now and turning that franchise around. I mean, after losing his best player in John Tavares, like 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm sure he'd be the first to say you can't pin it all on him. But I mean, boy, it sure looks like he did something different there, you know, and he's got that team playing differently. And he just seems like he's such a compelling figure in, in the sport and such a great coach for you to have been associated with all that time. Um, what is your biggest takeaway from your time in Nashville? And, and uh, maybe first of all, I want to ask you, like, when did you feel like, you know, that you were in the middle of this 10 year run, you know, like, at what point did you think, you know what, I'm I'm not getting sent down? Or did you ever feel like you're not getting sent down and you're always playing? Uh, during the season, during the season, no. Like, I, I never really felt like, oh, man, someone's, someone's going to take my job. Um, my summer training, that's kind of when I, when, when that kind of fear kicked in, right? Again, not fear. It was fear someone's going to take my job. Because um, there was always someone, right? We were a team that the didn't spend to the cap, didn't have a lot of money, right? So they were trying to get bargains and players from all over the place. So they were bringing in Europeans and guys from the American League. And, and I knew what kind of players these guys were there to fill. They're not taking a top, top six job, right? They they were there for the those bottom guys, those energy guys or whatever you want to call them. And and uh, kind of that's when I kind of had my, my fear, right? So um, I never really felt like, oh man, I, I'm in trouble here. It, it wasn't until later on in my career, uh, basically when I got to Toronto. But um, yeah, it, it was just something that uh, I just enjoyed it, right? I, I enjoyed the, the battle and, and the ups and downs and, and trying to trying to improve. And, and it's something I, I still miss a ton, right? Just having that little bit of pressure where, Man, we got a big game tonight. Uh, Detroit's power plays clicking, right? They're humming, and and I got to try to shut them down on the penalty kill. Like just those, those pressures and that excitement. It's it's just something that you, you can't really explain. And and once you have it, it's uh, you know it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And then when it goes away, it kind of goes away, and we're both <laughs> with having uh, with having kids that are in the sport, and you kind of relive it in a different way, right? You're, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're going through it through them, and and you're seeing the game through their eyes, through the eyes of a parent, and that's a, and that's special in of itself. And I'm massively grateful for that because it's actually brought me back to a game and connected me to it in a really kind of fresh and unique way, right? Because you mm-hmm. you do have our own experience with it on a personal level, right? Like what we yeah. went through and, and and all the things that happen as a player. But now as a parent, it's like it is really a, a renewed acquaintance with me with hockey. And and I'm I'm massively appreciative that my boys like it and are taking me on their journey through it now too. So uh I see you doing that with Hunter as well. And it's awesome what you're doing with the young boys there. Tons uh, of fun. Yeah. Yeah, tons of fun. Tons of fun. Um, we're winding down here and I just always happens, Smitty. It's like, I, we're into like year two of a 10 year career. Um, <laughs> uh, we might have to have part two, but I mean, if they're, I, I, I don't know what the best way to close is like, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll leave on a, on a more typical, uh, podcast question, which is like of your games played, give me the player that had the most impact on you, um, in your in your locker room whether that be from a skill level or from a human level or a leadership level and then who was the most impressive player that you played against well yeah tough question there um i think for for the player that kind of taught me the most and a lot of guys would probably think nhl but it wasn't it was uh, my first few years in manchester we had a captain uh and you probably know him well uh dane jackson um, mm-hmm. Dane Jackson was, uh, was my captain down there. And, and that was my first taste of this is a true professional, right? He was winding down his career. He had every reason 
to to not empty the tank every night and to kind of show up late or not late, but you know what I'm saying? Not bring that passion, that energy. And, but he didn't, he, he was there for the young guys. He still battled. He still fought. He still played the game the right way. And, and when I got to play with him and see how he kind of conducted himself, that to me was a, was a game changer. That's just someone that I really wanted to, to in a way model myself after how he, how he played the game and he played along uh, had a good professional career and played a bit in the NHL and um, just someone that really, um, really kind of hit home for me with him. Um, As for uh, the skill that, that kind of wow factor that, that player um, I got lucky. I mean, we played with Ziggy Palfy together to me, Ziggy was, I mean, his skill level was crazy and he was a little guy and, and that was the, the clutch and grab days too. Right. And, um, and he would do some pretty crazy things. I, I, I played with Paul Korea uh, in Nashville. It was a guy that, man, his, his preparation was a whole different level, right? He was a, an absolute machine and how he uh, took care of his body and prepared the game. Um, but skill-wise, it would have been uh, um, Kovalev. I, I played with Kovalev briefly in Florida. We, uh, we brought him in uh, my last year there in Florida, and um, he was on a tryout. And what that guy could do with the puck and how he handled and pat, it was mind blowing. He made guys look absolutely foolish. I know I've heard other podcasts and guys have talked about him and, and I had to see it with my own eyes because he was just on a whole nother level. If you ever, you listeners out there, you ever want to see some highlights, look up uh, Alexei Kovalev and watch the things that he did with the puck because it was, uh, it, it was something special. So to be able to watch him, that was the one guy that I got to really got to play with that I was just kind of blown away. And, yeah, and unfortunately, cool. that was at the end of his career. So he didn't, didn't really last that long. He wasn't in his prime, but still those hands didn't go anywhere. He was <laughs> He was something special. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing, right? Like the skill level at that level, right? Because I mean, as crazy. good as he was, like he never scored fifty goals. You know, right. like like it's it's crazy, right? And there's so many other nuances and intangibles that are involved in that. But as far as like, yeah, top level skill, there's some just some mind blowing stuff that you that you'll see. That's right. Just the, the the courage to even try some of those things. Yeah. In a, in practice, never mind a game. He was doing it in the games, right? And I'm like, yeah. holy crow, the ball's on you, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> but, funny. Uh, yeah. Anyways, man, you uh amazing guest. I knew you would be. Thanks for sharing all that stuff with us. I mean, there's so many great lessons in there for for the athletes out there. Um, you know, that uh, at 25, when you know Bruce Boudreau said in, in my interview with him, he's like, talking about his own career he says you know at 2021 20, you're a prospect at 25 26 27 you're a suspect you know yeah. and it's like to to make that jump at that age it, it's not easy it can be done there's other guys on this podcast that have done it but um but yeah i mean you have to overcome some stuff you have to overcome label you have to overcome um you know positioning there's guys getting drafted every year right in that organization right that are maybe filling these these spots so the fact that you were able to play 606 games starting at 25 is is so so cool and um and from everyone that i've talked to that played you said you played the game the right way and you're an amazing teammate too and that's you know we didn't really get into that but i mean that's that leads to longevity as well. So you're obviously mm-hmm. doing something right there in the locker room too, Smitty. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. And I ho- hope you had a good time and we'll, uh, we'll maybe leave some of the other juicy stuff for part two. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Podsy. I appreciate it. And it was, uh, had a blast. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Cheers. Okay. Thank you so much for being here today with us for episode 38 of Up My Hockey, Going Strong. 
uh, have a, a fantastic lineup of guests coming down the pipe and uh, really excited about what we've got here, what we've, what we've started. And this conversation today is just adding to the momentum because Jared Smithson's story is so relevant to what Up My Hockey is all about and what it stands for. And I know that there is a lot of you listening today that can take a lot away from that. Perseverance, uh, for one, right? Ability to manage adversity and to capitalize on it. Uh, a willingness to use fear as a motivator in a positive way. Uh, accountability, being accountable to who it is you want to become and what it is you want to do. You I mean, these, how many times did we talk about stick handling today? How many times did we talk about how hard his shot was? We talked about getting better, owning a role, getting really good at something and owning it. And, uh, and being a good person like his story about dane jackson i love that little piece there and his one of his most memorable impactful people was a player that a lot of you listening today have never heard of that says something right that we have the ability to impact people all the time all around us and it doesn't have to be because we are uber talented uh or have won a heart trophy or on an all-star team, right? The way we carry ourselves, the way we go about our business, the example we set on the daily, somebody's watching, somebody's looking. So you are young players out there, model yourself after somebody. Find somebody that you wanna be like and model that person. Success leaves clues that they say and, and that oftentimes means the people behind the success leaves clues. So find a good person to model. That's what we're trying to create here is good people who are going to be great hockey players. And Jared Smithson is definitely an example of that. He's an amazing father, a uh, great contributor in the community, and was an awesome teammate during his time. And he don't play 10 years in the NHL without being a good guy. So um, awesome lessons there today. Uh, once again, you know, I talked about up my hockey uh, being not just a podcast, also being a membership opportunity for parents and players so uh just a reminder there if you want to check us out at uh, upmyhockey.com on the web that'd be great we're also on facebook uh there's a private group there check us out um and yeah life's good i'm just really enjoying hockey this year uh my boys are doing well getting so many positive responses from people who are enjoying the content we're producing here and uh, i just can't thank you enough for for inspiring me to continue to do what i'm doing and to have these conversations and reminding me on the day that you know what it does make a difference and if one person hears this episode and that makes a difference for them uh, i thank jared for sharing that story and i thank you uh for being able to listen and to be able to allow that to impact you to make a difference in your life so once again, I'm appreciative and grateful and all those things. And, and until next time, as usual, play hard and keep your head up.